The media is in full on panic mode as Donald Trump's approval rating shatters a record high in the aggregate, no less. I'm not talking about one poll here or there. I'm saying the average rating for Trump across all of these different polls is the highest it has ever been. And when it comes to his dealings with the coronavirus, the American people overwhelmingly approve in the last five polls. The support for Donald Trump is through the roof and the media knows it and they're scared. So now they're saying they want to shut down his daily press briefings. Now they'll argue the reason for it is that Trump is passing out misinformation, that he's lying. And that's why for the sake of the American people, these dangerous press briefings must be stopped. But they're lying. You know, you know how I know they're lying? First of all, they're actually lying about the facts, claiming Trump is responsible for someone losing their life. A guy in Arizona apparently ate some kind of fish cleaner and then died. And they blamed Trump for it. And I'm going to show you they do it more than once. But here's the thing. They claim that Trump touted unproven treatments, which resulted in someone hurting themselves. The only problem is that Governor Andrew Cuomo did the exact same thing. So why not call it Andrew Cuomo? In fact, when the New York Times accused Trump of putting out dangerous misinformation, they also wrote a puff piece about Andrew Cuomo being the politician of the moment. Dare I say, hashtag President Cuomo. That's what goes viral on Twitter, because now many people think they're going to try to draft Cuomo to run against Trump. Because come on, let's be real. Biden's nowhere to be found. But there's another big factor. You see, Trump's ratings for his press briefings are through the roof. Fox News had around 6 million viewers in one of their last press briefings. So all of these networks and channels are seeing tremendous ratings and they're seeing massive support for the president. Why would you shut this down? It's helping your business. The people like what Trump has to say. Why would you lie about what the president is saying? Why would you smear him? And then why would you prop up Andrew Cuomo? Well, it's obvious. The media is loaded with political activists and their real goal is not to make money to run a business. It's not to help the American people. It's to help a Democrat get elected for who knows why. I honestly don't know. I'll show you these lies because I brought the receipts. Check this out. CNN and MSNBC staff push back on airing Trump's coronavirus lies. The first thing I want to show you is how the media is planning on shutting down. Well, actually, I should say I want to show you how the media is planning on shutting him down. But the first thing you need to see is Donald Trump's approval rating. The American people see through the lies and the media is freaking out. They've lost control of the narrative. The only thing they can do is try and silence the president. But guess what? Fox News will not stop airing this. And if you shut it down, they will tune into Fox News. At least most of them will. I want to show you his numbers before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's several ways you can give. The best thing you can do, share this video. Let's try and shadow some echo chambers. Maybe some people would be willing to listen to this and see that the American people overwhelmingly support the president. He's doing a great job. And I'll tell you what, I actually know why they support him. You see, back in December, before we had any, any of this crisis, what, what was America's biggest concern? According to Gallup, it is the government. Republicans complained about Democrats and Democrats complained about Republicans. And let's be honest, if your biggest gripe is that you got personal or professional beef with someone from the other party, it stands to reason that there's not really great, you know, there's not very large problems facing America. I mean, let's be honest. I take issue with many politicians. They're real issues because we need people to be doing their the job properly and correctly. But the Democrats beef with Trump seems to be nonsensical. They were just saying Ukraine gate, Russia gate. There was no real substance behind what they were complaining about. Republicans and conservatives were upset the Democrats were doing that. So they were bickering amongst each other. That was the biggest problem we faced. You know what that means? It means healthcare was fine. It means the economy is fine. It means, I got to be honest, 
It was a golden period for this country where things were actually going pretty well. Well, now we have a real threat, a real crisis, and that's a global pandemic. All of a sudden, no one cares to bicker anymore. And Trump's potty mouth seems to be much less of an issue because people just lost their jobs. So they turn to Trump and say, what's really going on? And Donald Trump says, here's what we're doing to help you. With record ratings, the American people watched the president over the past you know, couple of weeks and at first were upset and now overwhelmingly support him, at least as it pertains to, to that key issue, the pandemic. Take a look at his, his aggregate approval rating. We can see that right now it's at 47. In the aggregate, it is higher than it has ever been. This is seriously significant because we are approaching the November election, which is why I'll get to it too. They're propping up Andrew Cuomo and smearing Trump. But when it comes to the handling of the coronavirus, in the last five polls, Trump's, Trump, uh, Trump has been doing astonishingly well. I mean, look at this. Gallup had, uh, Gallup had him at plus 22 points. It's seriously incredible to see. And because of this, the media must react, which brings us to our first story. Trump's daily pandemic briefings have devolved into an open mic night full of misinformation, cable staffers said, as networks weigh how much of the events they must air. I, you know, I, I got to be honest. I think many of these people who work in media are eating their own propaganda. They're vomiting into each other's mouths. They believe their own lies. And then because of it, they're spinning themselves into a panic. But let me tell you the good news. If Trump's approval rating can go up amid this pandemic because the American people think he's doing a good job, that means the media narrative is collapsing. It's failing. The American people see through their lies. And lo and behold, a CBS News poll shows that right now, the American people find Donald Trump to be more trustworthy than the national media. They've earned it. And Trump's been ragging on them as the enemy of the people and the fake news for a long time. And I'm talking about the fake press, the people who lie like this. Let's read the story. The Daily Beast, a very biased source, says the nation's television news outlets, especially the three major cable news networks, are grappling with a nagging paradox as President Donald Trump continues to orchestrate his White House briefings on the novel coronavirus pandemic. On the one hand, their ratings have never been higher and viewers' appetites for the live sessions have shown no signs of dwindling. On the other hand, journalists and executives at MSNBC and CNN and the often Trump-friendly Fox News, which scored an impressive 6.2 million viewers for Sunday's installment of The Trump Show, according to Nielsen, are increasingly facing the likelihood that they are becoming an uncritical and unvetted transmission belt for propaganda and misinformation. You know, I got to be honest, I'm not super concerned that Fox News is, is worried about this. I mean, maybe some people there, but come on. The media has torn them to shreds because they downplayed this around the same time they were, I guess. It's fake news. But Fox News is going to be in alignment with the president for the most part. You know, Trump has criticized them. Quote, these White House sessions ostensibly meant to give the public critical and truthful information about this frightening crisis are in fact working against that end, wrote Washington Post media columnist Margaret Sullivan, summarizing such concerns. Rather, they have become a daily stage for Trump to play his greatest hits to captivate audience members. They come in search of life or death information, but here's what they get from him instead. Self-aggrandizement, media bashing, exaggeration, and outright lies, says Margaret Sullivan. That's right. The media must stop live broadcasting Trump's dangerous, destructive coronavirus briefings. Oh, heavens, Margaret Sullivan at the Washington Post. You are right. I mean, anybody who puts out dangerous misinformation, we must absolutely shut down like none other than the Washington Post themselves. Sure. OK, you want to see Trump off the air? Let's shut down your paper. How about that? 
Here's what the Washington Post wrote February 1st. Get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than the coronavirus. Is that dangerous misinformation? Yes, it was. And media matters. This is hilarious. Fox News fear mongers about coronavirus with dubiously sourced viral video. January 27th, 2020. You mean to tell me that Fox News was talking about the real threat of the coronavirus back in January while Washington Post was downplaying it? And when Donald Trump formed his task force in January, I believe on 29th, and then shut down travel, what did they say? Xenophobe, bigot. And Joe Biden did put out closing the borders will not help Trump. We need cooperation. Now, where are we? Shut it down, they say. Why isn't Trump doing enough, they say. I kid you not, there's one article that claims Donald, Donald Trump should be seizing upon the authoritarian opportunity and he's not doing it. That's where we are in today's media. They have no idea what they're talking about. Let's read more. In an echo of the self-criticism expressed during the 2016 presidential race, when the cable networks repeatedly broadcast Trump's campaign rallies live and unexpurgated, the MSNBC anchors have already argued publicly that their own networks should not air the president's pandemic musings in full. Joe Scarborough tweeted during Trump, Trump's briefing on Monday, there was no public benefit to this briefing. Aw, you think the American people shouldn't get to hear what the president has to say? Good, then don't air it. They'll tune into Fox News. If it were up to me, and it's not, I would stop putting those briefings on live TV, live TV Rachel Maddow said on her show earlier this week, only a few months, uh, <laughs> only several months after she had been screeching, the Russians were coming to get you. Russia, Vladimir Putin's around every corner, and she has the nerve to complain about fake news. Uh, okay, how about we take Trump's press briefings off the air, but first we take you off the air for lying, or for, I don't call you accuse you of lying, but for publishing absurd fake news for three plus years. My favorite being when she claimed the Russians would shut off the electricity into, into Fargo in the winter and people could freeze. She was giving an example of the possibilities. But yeah, how about that for nonsensical fear mongering? She said, not out of spite, but because it's misinformation. If the president does end up saying anything true, you can run it as tape. But if he keeps lying like he has been every day on stuff that's important, we should all of us stop broadcasting it. Honestly, it's going to cost lives. Is it really? Well, that's what some people are are saying privately. Several staffers at CNN and MSNBC have acknowledged that airing Trump's pressers live and in full likely amplifies the spread of misinformation about the disease and its potential potential cure. In one instance, Trump's enthusiastic promotion of a malaria medicine, chloroquine, as therapy for COVID-19, reportedly prompted an elderly couple to take a poisonous version of the chemical, resulting in the wife being placed in an intensive care unit while her husband died. An NBC News insider, however, said the White House briefings should not be ignored, but instead thoroughly covered and aired. Now that I can agree with. Acknowledging that Trump is frequently a source of misstatement, The NBC News Insider added, I think the best way to handle the president is the briefing is that you uh, in the briefing is that you handle the president like you handle the virus. He has to be contained and quarantined and his falsehoods have to be scrubbed so they don't rub off on you. In fact, one person here, here we go. We might take it from the top and then cut away after the first lie and return when the lies stop. Quote, they're so full of misinformation. Someone has already died from it, says MSNBC. How about when uh, TechCrunch ran this story? French study finds anti-malarial and antibiotic combo, biotic combo could reduce COVID-19 duration, March 19th. How about many other outlets like 
This is uh, medicaldialogues.in. I don't, I'm not saying this is a reliable source. TechCrunch certainly is. But this is an example of another website. And there were numerous websites all running the same story. Breakthrough. Chloroquine phosphate shows efficacy in COVID-19. Let me tell you the truth. According to the couple, they said they went online and saw information affirming that what Trump had said. Now, Trump had relayed this information. There was a promising study. And that's what uh, <laughs> that's what TechCrunch said. The results are limited, but they are promising. Trump says it, and the media accuses him. Check this out. The New York Times writes on the Trump coronavirus briefings uh, that Trump is putting out misinformation, saying the president has suggested the coronavirus is comparable to influenza. As you know, I've already shown you the Washington Post having done that. But you know what? Let's take a break real quick. How about this? This picture has been circulating for a little while, showing numerous sites saying it's not that big of a deal or that the flu is a way bigger threat to people or that we should really be worried about the flu. We get it. It wasn't just Trump. It was the media as a whole, including the Washington Post. They say it is far left, less lethal. He has also invoked the death toll of car accidents. So what? He has also encouraged the use of medications that have yet to be proved effective against the virus. On Monday, a man in Arizona died after he and his wife consumed a form of chloroquine, a drug that Mr. Trump has promoted on the air. He encouraged it. He didn't tell anybody to take it. The media is lying. They're lying to you about what Trump really said. My favorite part is this. Andrew Cuomo announces the state will try experimental drug combination Trump has been talking about. Well, that's interesting. When uh, Andrew Cuomo came out and said the same thing as Trump, the media didn't say we got to shut down Cuomo's press events. I think, you know what? They're right. We should shut down. How how about CNN and and the Washington Post and USA Today and Governor Cuomo for putting out much of the same information? They would tell you Trump is lying and people have lost their lives. But what they don't tell you is that it's the media who is putting out these stories. Why not blame TechCrunch for telling people this could work? The, the reality is the dude who ate that fish parasitic anti, anti-parasite agent. Come on, man. Anyone dumb enough to take a spoonful of fish tank anti-parasitic cleaner? It's not the fault of the person who said there's a drug that exists. Trump said it may or may not work, but I'm hopeful. And there was a story about this. And guess what? When the American people watch the press event, they agree with the president. When Andrew Cuomo came out and said it, said it, people agreed with Cuomo. And I think it's fine for both of them to say it. But here's what you can get from the New York Times. Now, I just showed you them claiming Trump was a liar and he encouraged people to drink fish cleaner or something. I'm exaggerating. He didn't. And they didn't really say it like that. You get the point, though. Well, here's what the New York Times writes about Cuomo, how Cuomo once on the sidelines became the politician of the moment. With his coronavirus briefings, Governor Andrew Cuomo has emerged as an authoritative voice in this crisis. Governor Andrew Cuomo awoke before dawn on Tuesday emerging after a few hours of sleep to board a helicopter to New York City for the coronavirus briefing that has become a daily ritual for him and the millions of people now watching. But this event would be different. The outbreak was moving faster than he had expected, with the number of confirmed cases doubling every three days. And he decided he needed to show people, including the White House, how desperate the situation has become. You want a pat on the back for sending foreign ventilators, the governor said, referring to a recent federal government shipment. What I am going to do, what am I going to do with foreign ventilators when I need 30,000? You pick the 26,000 people who are going to die because you only sent 400 ventilators. I'll tell you why they don't go after Cuomo for propping up the same medication as Trump. It's because he's yelling at Trump and they like it. And he's a Democrat. 
He's a potential answer to Trump in November because it ain't Biden. It ain't Bernie. The governor repeatedly assailed the federal response as slow, inefficient and inadequate, far more aggressively than he had before. It's interesting. When Cuomo came out in the past and praised Trump, did they write about President Cuomo? No, because they don't actually care about Cuomo. They care about someone who's capable of running against Donald Trump. Mr. Cuomo was once considered a bit player on the national stage, an abrasive presence who made his share of enemies among his Democratic Party peers. He was too much of a pragmatist for his party's progressive wing, too self-focused for party leaders, and too brusque for nearly everyone. But now he is emerging as the party's most prominent voice in a time of crisis. His briefings, articulate, consistent, and often tinged with empathy, have become must-see television. On Tuesday, his address was carried live on all four networks in New York and a raft of cable news stations, including CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox News. In a sign of the way Mr. Cuomo has become the face of the Democratic Party in this moment, his address even preempted an appearance by former Vice President Joe Biden on ABC's The View. That's right. When Joe Biden came out to give his statement, they aired Cuomo instead. But for all of Cuomo's shortcomings, for the same problems he could present, where is, where is the criticism? Bill de Blasio, man, he made a bunch of mistakes. He really, really did. I'll show you. But Bill de Blasio once said, we're considering a citywide lockdown. And Cuomo pushed back saying, no, no, we won't do it. We won't. Where was the media criticism? Nowhere to be found. Yet when Donald Trump doesn't act fast enough, or when Donald Trump does act too fast, they say he's either fear-mongering, inducing panic, or now he's downplaying. But Andrew Cuomo can do no wrong. Let's take a look at New York City's real response. The New York Times wants to write a puff piece about Cuomo. Now, I'm not going to give him the full brunt of responsibility for what New York City does, but he is the governor. And they are talking about him going to New York City and talking about the threats New York City is facing. How about this? Wesley Yang on Twitter, a columnist for Tablet, says, NYC politicians and health officials urged New Yorkers to go to movies and participate in parades, characterizing concerns about coronavirus as misinformation. At a time, March, what is this? This is February 9th. And then we have uh, Bill de Blasio on March 2nd. Since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives, get out, get out on the town despite coronavirus. I thought I would offer some suggestions. How about this guy? I don't know the full date on this one, but he says, hey, man, a powerful show of defiance of the coronavirus scare. Huge crowds for Lunar New Year. Then we have this story. Experts ponder causes of New York's breathtaking outbreak. Okay, look, some people have criticized Bill de Blasio for sure. A lot of progressives have as well. Nobody likes that guy. What about Cuomo? Where was he? Yeah, he pushed back on on de Blasio a little bit. But you want to yell at Trump because in February he was downplaying it? He launched the coronavirus task force in January and media matter said Fox News was was fear mongering. Here you go. Fox News is downplaying the risk of coronavirus that could get people killed. March, uh, March 11th, Fox News was downplaying it. That's for sure. Tucker Carlson wasn't. And he's like one of their lead shows. So my my respect, Tucker Carlson, he was on this early and Fox News showed the video on what, January 27th. So it wasn't all bad. It wasn't perfect. But I'll tell you what, man. I can point the finger at Fox News, same as I can point it at literally any other media outlet. Let's go back to Bill de Blasio. Mayor resisted drastic steps on virus. Then came a backlash from his aides. Bill de Blasio acknowledged he had to be persuaded to close schools and restaurants. March 16th, they wrote the story. You mean to tell me that when Media Matters was slamming Fox News, actual government 
<laughs> actual politicians were not taking it seriously. Can't say I'm surprised. Not at all. Because this is the game the media plays. Now, New York Times is criticizing Bill de Blasio, but he only took action after some of his staff threatened to resign. So you, 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 you get the point. You want to know why New York's in, in dire need? Cuomo comes out and says, I need 30,000 ventilators, Trump. And the New York Times says, oh, bravo, good sir. You, you, you go after Trump. He's not getting you what you need. Do you know why New York's in dire straits and needs 30,000 ventilators? I just showed you. It's because Bill de Blasio didn't take the threat seriously at all and encouraged people to go out with their, on with their lives while other people in government encouraged people to go to big gatherings. And now that they have reaped, now they are reaping what they have sown, Andrew Cuomo comes out and screeches at Trump and the media says, bravo, Trump is bad. That's why they want to shut him down. But the American people can see through it. New York health commissioner tells people not to follow White House coronavirus guidance. Where's the, where's the criticism, media? Nowhere to be found. Of course, they want to now draft Cuomo. Could a draft Cuomo movement be in the Democrats' future? I'd say so. This is their answer. They are lying to you. They are propping up this man. Now, look, I got to be honest. I actually think Cuomo's done a pretty good job. I think the beef for New York falls on Bill de Blasio, 100%. I think Cuomo is handing it decently well. I got very little criticism for the most part. I think Donald Trump also is handling it very, very well. And I'm going to say right now, Democrat, Republican, don't care. I'll tell you what, if you guys are fighting for the American people and trying to help out at a time of desperation. I'm, 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 I'm totally on board. Cuomo has pushed on Trump a little bit. I'm critical of it to a certain degree. It's Bill de Blasio's fault, but right, he does need the ventilators. My bigger concern, my, my bigger concern here is the lack of the important context. That New York, New York City has created its own problems, but Media Matters isn't coming out saying the governors are doing, you know, the politicians are doing this. The press isn't coming out saying Cuomo is passing off dangerous misinformation when he talks about hydroxychloroquine. They blame Trump for literally everything. Andrew Yang said it best. The Democratic Party needs to stop pretending that Trump is the source of all of their problems. Because right now, as we are facing this unprecedented threat and the media wants to silence Trump because the people like what he has to say, guess what? The stimulus package is being held up, not by the Republicans. Is the stimulus package perfect? By no means. Will it create problems? You better believe it's going to cause problems in the future. And we will look back. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And we'll say, oh, I can't believe we did that. But listen, April 1st is coming soon. People have to pay rent and they have no money. And that is going to be that is going to be a, a nuke and a major shockwave to our economy worse than you've seen yet. Next week's unemployment claims are going to be higher than you could imagine. 3.3 million is what they announced today. So we got to get that package done. All right. Who's blocking it? Well, for the most part, it's been the Democrats. And now the person blocking it. Oh, obviously, Ocasio-Cortez. AOC threatens to force lawmakers back to Capitol Hill for debate on stimulus corporate giveaway. She might actually delay this. I'm not, I'm not saying she will, but here's the news. Lo and behold, it's Ocasio-Cortez. It's the Democrats. They're fractured, frayed. They are encouraging people to do dangerous things in New York. And then they're blaming the president for it. Donald Trump is anything but perfect. He's far from it. He's made a lot of mistakes, 100%. But the job he's doing, it's, it's relatively on par to what everyone else is doing. Yeah, okay, Bill de Blasio was downplaying this in the beginning of March. Donald Trump was actually ramping up efforts to a certain degree. But Donald Trump did downplay things too. But guess what? So did the media. So did everybody. 
Why would you single out the president and act like he's some evil bad man who's caused all these problems when he's actually been doing a decent job? And, and the same to Cuomo. I'll give them both credit. The media in this country is complete trash. They are going to sacrifice their businesses. These, these beautiful ratings they're receiving, they don't care. They don't want the money. They don't care about business. They care about narrative and agenda. They want Trump to lose because they are out of their minds and they just hate him. They can't handle the fact that his ratings are going up. So we have seen numerous opinion pieces. I'm not joking. The Atlantic and MSNBC saying like, this can't be real. I don't believe these numbers. One piece from Atlantic saying, no, no, you don't understand. The polls are wrong. People hate Trump. And now they've taken it the next step. Now it's anger. First, it was denial. Now it's anger. Now they're saying we can't allow this. Trump can't be allowed. Next in the stages of grief, we'll be bargaining. Please, please just stop letting Trump say these things. Please don't like him. Please don't vote for him. That's what's coming next. So the media is angry now. We can see their wrath. It doesn't matter. The American people have broken through the narrative. They see the president's doing a good job. And yes, Cuomo is doing a good job as well. This is bipartisan, man. We get it. We got a serious threat and the media can't handle it. It's time to get on board with the rest of us. The American people are supporting the president in his effort to deal with the coronavirus pandemic. Even to his credit, Joe Scarborough said, we must come together to help the president succeed, even for all of his criticisms as of recent. Fine. I am totally on board. I want to see Trump pull us through this because I'm, I'm really worried about what comes next. April 1st is coming soon. Wait till all of the real estate companies, the lenders, the insurance companies, house maintenance, building maintenance, wait till they lose their jobs because no one pays rent. That ripple will be massive. Wait till malls close. You think there, there, there are some grocery stores right now. Guess what? They're remaining open. What happens when they can't pay their rent? It's troubling times ahead. We need to solve this problem. So to all the governors, not everyone, nobody's perfect, but I don't care if you're, if you've done made mistakes right now, the focus is on doing what we need to do to help people get through this. So for Trump as the president, for Andrew Cuomo, Democrat, Republican, get the job done. I want to see it happen. I hope that's the message that comes out. Instead, we get partisan bickering. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash News, and I will see you all then. The Senate has unanimously voted to pass the $2 trillion coronavirus stimulus package. That's kind of amazing. And they're setting a House vote for Friday, which to me sounds like more time wasting. And there's still some obstruction on the Democrat side. I will say very quickly, I did a video yesterday on my main channel. I think I got it wrong as to why Nancy Pelosi was not going to hold a session. She wanted the the House. I'm sorry, she wanted the Senate to send the bill to her first. But it still doesn't explain why Cuomo and other progressive Democrats had been threatening to hold up the bill. So I'll, I'll eat that one. I actually apologize to Pelosi because it seems like she's actually on board with this. We'll see what happens. There's still a lot of concern and criticism that they're waiting so long to get this through, especially when we see this news. I got to be honest with y'all. I, uh, I'm preparing for the worst. I really mean it this time. This is 3.28, this is 3.28 million weekly initial claims. They're jobless claims. Look at this line. It, it doesn't even look like it's part of the actual graph. It's like someone ended, it's, it's, that's it. That's how high unemployment just spiked. Right now, I am seeing people on all, of all factions fighting and tearing each other apart on social media because no one has any real solutions. What do we do? Do we open up the economy now because we're about to destroy the entirety of our economy, irrepar- irreparably damaging it? But then what about the coronavirus? Boy, there are some scary stories and you cannot get past them. Check this out. 
Georgia hospital worker with coronavirus found dead at home with her child by her body. Deirdre Wilkes was a mammogram technician at Coeta County, Georgia hospital. Her body was found in the living room of her home in the Atlanta area. She had no previous underlying conditions. She was 42. And apparently they just, she didn't show up one day. They found her dead. So they did a posthumous coronavirus test and it came back positive for COVID-19. She did not have any known underlying health conditions and an autopsy is, uh, is being conducted. How does this, how does this happen? The hospital is going to be contacting people. This is a, a simple story. I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, simple as in like, this is it. They, they go to her house, they find her. She was dead. We've seen many stories of people seemingly just collapsing. I mean, this is what nightmares are made of. The health community is saying don't reopen the economy, but boy, the economy is in flames. And what's shocking to me is right now, many conservatives and right-wing populists are saying the stimulus wasn't enough. They needed to do more. And we're, I'm seeing the same from progressives. It's a very populist thing right now. Say, do more. But what, do you, what are we supposed to do? Just print money? They're guaranteeing four months of salary for all of these workers. How do we afford that? We're getting a 30-day free trial to communism here. And you know what happens when the government does this. Hyperinflation. We have seen it happen in many socialist countries. You can't just print money when people need to buy stuff. This is going to be hitting everybody. And boy, the worst is yet to come. I mean it when I say I am actually preparing for the worst. April 1st is around the corner. This is why I have been so heavy-handed, I should say, on the Democrats. House sets Friday vote. Look, man, can you vote now? Can we get this through? Because I'll tell you what, rent is a coming. And when people don't pay their rent, what do you think happens? That ripple effect is going to, that wave is going to be devastating in the economy. I mean, look, I get it. It's already bad enough people are out of work. They need to buy food and supplies. They don't know how they're going to pay their bills. My sympathy first and foremost for all of those who have lost their jobs. There's millions of people out there and I'm worried about it. Many of them are my friends. I'm fortunate enough to run my own business and to be in an industry that while we are taking a, a, a bit of a hit because who's advertising right now? I, do, I am fortunate enough to have sponsors and to be able to pull through this one. A bit of an insulation. I, I fully recognize and check my privilege. So my sympathies to everybody. But I'll tell you what, the next wave will be on the first when major companies, look, ch- ch- look at this, Cheesecake Factory tells landlords across the country it won't be able to pay rent on April 1st. What do you think happens when all of these businesses are expecting a major portion of the economy? Like this is a major, major portion of the economy. I am not one of these socialists who thinks landlord isn't a job. No, not at all. I understand it requires managerial effort and energy and maintenance for all of these buildings. Now, there have been some funny, funny posts about Cheesecake Factory, you know, the shape of their buildings being so unique that they, these, the, the landlords can't rent it out anyway. But these are malls. These are mall properties. They don't own the mall lots. They, they might, they're renting out this portion. They design it to look good. Cheesecake Factory is a major restaurant chain and they're not going to be paying rent. It's going to ripple. We are going to see retail shops. So these malls now aren't going to get money. Retail stores, it's not just Cheesecake Factory. How many, like, think about your local mall. They're already suffering because of Amazon or whatever. How many of those, those shops and, and how many of them are small businesses and they're saying, you know what, we're not going to pay our dues this month. I mean, the mall near me is already closed down. So these businesses have not made any money. Look, there, there's a Best Buy near me. And what they're doing is curbside pickup. 
They've been ordered to shut down not all non-essential businesses. But what they've found is that they can say, if you buy it online, we'll walk it out to your car. So they can still run the business to a certain degree. The local mall, they closed the doors and anybody renting space inside is out of business. And there are some small business in there that I'm, that I'm, I, I'm a fan of. Got to get my bubble tea when I go to the mall. I can't anymore. And that means that small family with their little kiosk, they're not making any money. They're not going to pay their rent. And then the ripple goes outward. So a lot of people are complaining. This bill didn't go far enough. And you want to know, you want, you want something funny. So I, I was very, very critical of the Democrats yesterday. And I, and I do think that I may have jumped the gun and been a bit overzealous in my pessimism. So again, if, if I got it wrong, seriously, uh, I apologize. I don't always get it right for sure. But check this out. How they got it passed. I love this. You see, when the Democrats are obstructing at a time of national emergency, all you got to do is got to grease the wheels a little bit. You know what I mean? Check this out. Page 781 of the bill provides $25 million to the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives to cover salary and expenses. Excellent. Some people are upset. They say the final bill text gives $25 million to the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. Trump, speaking at the White House coronavirus briefing earlier Wednesday, said that he understood the provision was necessary because Democrats demanded some concessions in order to get the stimulus bill passed, even though it galled some conservatives. Now, some people have said the Kennedy Center is no more deserving than any other theater going out of business. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think, however, I have no problem if a, if a theater gets money in this. If you're running a business and you need a bailout, everybody needs a bailout. The, you've got many people on the Democratic side, or on the, I should say the leftists, saying, why are we giving money to corporations? We should give it to people. It's because corporations pay people. So yes, people are going to get, we, we, we want to avoid unemployment, which means there are many companies that we want to, to keep floating. Put it this way. I've mentioned this before. If someone owns a pizza shop and they can't serve pizza right now, they're making no money and they operate on very slim margins. If they can't make money, they can't pay their employees, they can't pay their rent, they lay everyone off. If the government says to all the small businesses, we're going to give you money, then the business can say, we are going to keep you on board because when this is lifted, we need you to work again. It is a, it is a temporary measure, not perfect at all. And you got a bunch of complaints about how the corporations, these big corporations like Boeing might just put the money in the pocket of their executives. Yup. I'll tell you what, man. Yes, I get it. So they've done some restrictions, like if the money is used for salaries or something like that, or benefits for employees, then it doesn't have to be paid back. It'll be more of a grant. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but I don't, I don't care what industry it is, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I'm, I don't, I don't want to be the person who picks and chooses. They accuse Trump of being the person who picks and chooses. If you're, if you're, a, if you're an entity that has staff, those staff need to get paid. Totally get it. I would rather have somebody as a, as a, a desk clerk for the Kennedy Center getting their paycheck than just sitting around on, like without work, because when this lifts and hoping it does, I mean, I used to say when it lifts, but now things are getting so scary. When it lifts, people need to be, need, need to have their jobs. And if the businesses shut down completely and don't pay their rent, then those jobs won't exist when the market opens back up. But of course, this wouldn't be, I don't know, it, it wouldn't be the Democrats without some obstruction in a time of national emergency. AOC warns she may force House members to return for a stimulus vote, potentially delaying final passage. Yes. <laughs> oh, it never ends. It never ends, does it? Look, man, this disease is scarier than I think people realize. I still see a lot of people saying that the flu is worse 
And I blame the media for this. I blame the media for this. I have no problem admitting if, if I make a mistake, if I'm wrong, because I don't think I'm always right. In fact, I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> so I, that's why you guys got to uh, watch other people and stuff. I am a fallible human, same as anybody else. I just read the news a lot. The Democrats are delaying this at a time when we are facing a serious economic crisis and stories are emerging of people collapsing in their homes. We've seen all the videos. I've mentioned it before. People just dropping, just falling. I think there, there, we've seen several stories, not just this one from Georgia, where people who are seemingly healthy all of a sudden collapsed. There was a story about one, you know, one of these guys who got sick, who did an interview with like Fox and a bunch of other outlets, said that he was feeling totally fine. And then all of a sudden he got hit, boom, hit hard and fast. His fever started spiking. He couldn't breathe. He had shortness of breath. Had to be hospitalized, something like that. That's what's happening. So we have to pick now. If the economy tanks, I'm seriously, I'm, I'm seriously thinking right now, what do I need to buy right now for my business, for my home? Because I'll tell you what, people often talk about investing in stocks and stuff like that. And they're trying to figure out when's the right time to buy. And I don't care about any of that. I don't know. Maybe some people get rich doing that kind of stuff. They, you know, if you, if you bought in at the, at, at, at the drop, the Dow, you know, spiked up to like 21 or 22 or something. Maybe you sold again, made some quick cash. I don't know anything about that. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. You know what I do? I invest in things that have, they have use, right? So right now I'm thinking about, they're going to dump $2 trillion into the economy and it's not enough. Even conservatives are saying it's not enough. We need more. So what happens when we just turn on the money printer? Well, soon you will see rapid inflation. In fact, the Democrats wanted to, uh, uh, in Nancy Pelosi's bill, $15 minimum wage for these companies that would receive money, which would dramatically and rapidly increase inflation. But this is what happens when you start dumping money into the economy in a desperate measure to stop the economic collapse. Now, the economic collapse would be worse if they do nothing. Rent is coming. That's why I think it's insane that Nancy Pelosi is going to wait till Friday again, whatever. And I think it's crazy that AOC is going to want to block this. This is not the time for moral grandstanding, which is why it's crazy to me that I see these Republicans, you know, these conservatives and Trump supporters on Twitter saying $1,200. You think that's enough? And these companies are getting all this money. Dude, I totally get it. But what's the alternative? If Boeing goes under and lays off 70,000 people, we're looking at 3.3 million unemployment claims already. The system isn't built for this. It can't handle it. And what happens when people like this? We're headed for a major depression unless this gets through now. And it's not enough, I know. But what do you do? Double it, triple it? How much is too much? This is the same problem we see when the, De- when, when the Democrats and the Democratic Socialists say $15 minimum wage, because then almost immediately more progressives come out and say, why not 20? You're right, why not 20? Oh, we're going to give everyone 1200 bucks. I get it, man. If you live in Manhattan, 1200 bucks doesn't even cover your rent. If you live in the middle of nowhere, it could cover your rent for a couple of months. It's not the same thing. There's different standard of li- standards of living across the country. What do we do? Do we just sit around for a couple of weeks and go through the finer details and try and plan this out while everything burns to the ground? Next week will be worse. I'll tell you what, man, manage rental management, landlords. These are big, big industries. And right now they, they, they get their rent collected to a certain degree on the first. It's not, you know, not everybody pays rent on the first. Sometimes it's on the seventh. Some people pay in the middle of the month. I get it. I get it. But a large portion of people pay their rent the beginning of the month. So a lot of these, these, these companies that do you know, uh, leasing and rental management or, or even bank loans on homes and mortgages, are you ready for the roller coaster, man? Because it is coming next week. It's going to get bad. Yeah, man, 
This is doom saying, but I don't know what to tell you. I'm looking at all of this just like our government is panicking. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is perfect. No one agrees. And uh, I'm preparing for the worst. So check this out. Let's say somebody has a mortgage on their house. They lost their job at the beginning of the month. 3.3 million people. They can't pay their, their, you know, their mortgage or whatever. Taxes. That, that includes your taxes. That includes the insurance. And that's the money for the bank and the interest. So now these companies all take a massive hit. And their projections for what they're going to bring in go down. So they start laying off their employees at banks and insurance companies. And in local government, they see a budget shortfall. Rental management companies like New York, for instance, you have a ton of companies that own several properties and they have staff to, main, to, to run, maintain and manage the properties. So people you can call maintenance workers. Guess what? All that rent don't come in. Boom. Now they lay off people. If you think 3.3 million is bad, this was the initial shockwave. The explosion hasn't even passed yet. The initial shockwave was we are shutting down retail businesses. Now the ripple effect is heading our way. So I mentioned earlier that to an extent I'm insulated because I do, I run my own company. You know, I, I make money through advertisements, but the reality is two big factors, which have me preparing for the worst. YouTube is actively demonetizing the majority of videos about the coronavirus. I can't, I honestly can't even tell you what qualifies as legit or not anymore. I'm looking at my YouTube channel at my videos and for, like there's a huge wall of everything confirmed, demonetized, no money. However, for some reason, some of them get monetized and I have no idea why they're talking about the exact same thing. But the bigger issue is that the money on YouTube for monetization comes from advertisers. If advertisers can't sell things right now, then the money starts drying up. They stop, adver- they, they stop advertising. The local businesses that advertise lo- local services and restaurants, they stop advertising. Then directed ads stop coming in. But now after the next wave, when we see insurance, local government, banks, rental management, whatever, when they start taking a hit and their income doesn't come in and they lay people off, then there's going to be even less money in in the market right now. So here's the thing. All of these people just lost their jobs. They're not immediately broke. Okay. So, so the, the, I think the, the, there was a study that said that the average person can't handle a $400 like surprise bill. People lost their jobs. They still had a very little bit amount of money. So there was still a possibility if you advertise, say like your online UFO lamp, I got a UFO lamp thing we, we, we got for the show, that someone might buy it. No one's going to be buying these pleasantries and these luxuries in the next couple of weeks. And I think, I think many people are right that this stimulus bill isn't enough. I mean, I'll tell you what, the 25 million in there for the salaries of Congress, it's enough for them. Wink, wink. They're going to be happy. But it's not going to be enough to stave off, you know, the impending doom. Though, though I will say, for, I don't understand why conservatives are ignoring the four months of guaranteed salaries from the federal government. I mean, you know, that's going to lead to inflation. I think, I mean, based on what, I, what I've read and understand about general economics, I'm not an economist, but my fear is rapidly flooding the economy with, with, with $2 trillion is going to cause a, 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 a spike in prices. And you're having all of these people's jobs guaranteed. You know, I'm worried that in the next coming months, it's not just the market that's going to tank, but it's going to be the dollar, you know, your, your liquid assets. Now, I, I think it's fair to point out that with the global economy, we all kind of sink together. So I don't know how much it matters, but I don't know. I'm, 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 I look to invest in things that have use. So it's like, do I need anything around the house right now? Do I need any tools? 
Uh, we need something for, you know, cleaning up wood or something like a rake, maybe. I'll go buy useful things. But now there's actually uh, a story. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't have it pulled up, so I'm just going to keep it light. Negative interest rates are coming. And that's when you actually start losing money in your bank account because the interest rates go negative. I don't know if we're there yet, but that's a big concern. The general idea is they want people to take their money out of the banks and go and spend it to make the economy, you know, move. So look, man, AOC wants, you know, members to return for a stimulus vote. And I think the reason is she wants everyone to be on the record for having voted it, voted for it or not. They're, they're talking about just expediting it, pushing it through. I don't know, man. They're going to vote it on Friday. I don't know if we can wait that much longer. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see how, I guess people don't understand how serious things are going to get. So let me just wrap this one up. The two, the two big things that I want to drive home that you really need to understand about how bad this is going to get. Cheesecake Factory is, is in my opinion, I, I doubt they're the outlier. They're like many other businesses, not going to pay rent. And these are major corporations. So we're talking about these malls not getting like 10 grand or something. I mean, that's going to ripple. That's going to be several jobs. Now you're going to see unemployment claims next week skyrocket. Because remember what I said about retail and stuff? Think about the malls too. When the malls don't pay, the mall security, the mall custodians, everyone who works in the mall, that mall is shut down. These people are all going to start losing their jobs. They're not going to pay rent. The companies that run the properties are not going to be able to pay their employees. And the wave will just explode. But what's the alternative, man? If we open up things too soon, we are going to see a ton of stories like this. People who are seemingly not that sick, no underlying conditions, just found dead. This is like the third or fourth story I've seen about this. There was one story that was, uh, it was on, I believe it was CBS. A guy said that his girlfriend said she wasn't feeling well. She was feeling sick. And so she was at home, but she wasn't that sick. It's like, she was like, not feeling well. Do you want to come hang out? And they went and walked the dog. And then one day she wasn't answering and he went to her house and the back door was open and she was lying there dead. It seems like whatever this virus is attacks the lungs lungs so rapidly that people are drowning very, very fast and without warning. I'll leave it there, man. I don't want to say the end is nigh because that's, you know, the unthinkable. I still have some optimism left. But if conservatives and Democrats are both saying the stimulus package isn't enough to do anything and the Democrats can't even sit down to vote on it, we're doomed. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. Presidential candidate and likely Democratic nominee Joe Biden has been formally accused in graphic detail of sexual assault by someone, I believe, someone who used to work with him. Now, if I were to tell you that Joe Biden inappropriately touched women, you'd say, I know, Tim, I've seen all the videos. In fact, someone actually made a website for Joe Biden. It's a parody site called JoeBiden.info, and they say Uncle Joe is back and ready to take a hands-on approach to America's problems. Joe Biden has a good feel for the American people and can smell what they really want deep down. Joe is ready for a fight and will give a good old-fashioned pounding to anyone who gets in his way. Joe Biden is creepy. He's always been creepy, and he's been called out over and over and over again. So tell me this. If you want to get mad at Donald Trump for being creepy, by all means, I'm open and listening to your criticism. Why the sudden ignorance around Joe Biden? Why isn't this headline news right now? Take a look at this story from News One. Joe Biden's sexual assault accuser breaks silence with graphic allegations. She details an assault she says occurred in 1993. Now, first, 
I do not like 30 year old allegations. They did something similar with Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not interested. I'm really sorry, right? The reason I'm bringing this story up is because the media, which I am a frequent critic of, maybe you've noticed, hasn't gone nuts with this story. It's not headline news. Now, I think it's fair to point out for sure we're in the midst of a global pandemic. We just got really awful employment numbers, 3.3 million about you know unemployment claims. It's the worst we've ever seen, quadruple the previous record. But I got to say, while there have been people in the media who've called out Joe Biden, it's been so substantially light relative to Donald Trump. We hear it all the time. But more importantly, what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. Will they do the same to Joe Biden? I think we can all say, put my money on that bet being a no. You'd be insane not to take the bet. Brett Kavanaugh was about to be appointed to the Supreme Court. They had no real evidence against him. And what happens? They run him across the coals. All right, Joe, let's see it. Because we've seen the videos, we've seen the complaints, and now we have a graphic allegation. Let's see it, media. Let's see it, activists. Now, to be fair, I'm willing to bet progressives latch onto this one for sure. But I think we can all understand this double standard against our current president. So let's read. News One reports. In April of last year, Tara Reid accused Joe Biden of inappropriate behavior when she worked at his uh, Senate office in 1993. Now she's accusing the Democratic presidential nominee of sexual assault. Let's see if I can make this a little bigger. According to a graphic interview with podcaster Katie Halper, So Katie, I believe, is with uh, Rolling Stone. She does a podcast with Matt Taibbi. When Reed, so so I want to make sure it's clear, right? The media does talk about Joe Biden being nasty. But I'm just, the point I'm trying to get to is there's a huge double standard between Trump saying, you know, you, you know, women let you, you know, grab them and Joe Biden literally doing it. When Reed initially came out about her experience with Biden, she told the union that he did uncomfortable things like put his hands on my shoulder and run his fingers up my neck. Reed also said that she cut ties with Biden's office over an early 1993 staff argument. According to Reed, Biden wanted her to serve drinks because he liked her legs. Reed says she didn't hear this directly from Biden, but she learned of it during her argument with staff. Reed refused to serve the drinks, which she believes was a move that affected her career. So not only is Biden a creep, but he's also a bigot. Hey, how about that? My life was hell, Reed said. This was about power and control, and I couldn't get a job on the Hill. She eventually left Biden's office in August of 1993. Now Reed is speaking out even more with a sexual assault allegation against Biden. Katie Harper, I'm sorry, did I say helper? Okay, it is helper. Yeah, what? Okay, Katie Helper posted an excerpt from an interview done with Reed to Twitter around 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning, writing, This is a story that Reed Alexandra has been trying to tell since it happened in 1993. It's a story about sexual assault, retaliation, and silencing hashtag me too. Now, here's, the, here's a few things. I think a lot of the accusations against Trump are probably true. I think a lot of them are probably exaggerated or fake. I think the allegations against Brett Kavanaugh are completely fake. And I think the allegations against Joe Biden are 100% true. The reason is, come on, man, we've got photos of him doing this all the time and people complaining about it. And, you know, these, these young girls wincing and pulling away Biden is a disgusting, lecherous old man, plain and simple. Now, I'm not here to give Trump any free passes, but the problem is when you lie in the media and scream wolf all day and night, I don't know which is legit and which isn't. There are certainly some nasty stories about Trump. I wouldn't be surprised. Joe Biden, he gets no free passes either. 
We see him do this in public. He had to publicly apologize for this, and then he keeps doing it. Let's see what this woman has to say. So uh, in the interview excerpt, which is posted to SoundCloud, Reed described a graphic 1993 incident where a superior asked her to take a gym bag to Biden down towards the Capitol. Then she recalls being called toward the side area where Biden greeted her. All right. Warning to those who have kids. This is not going to be a family friendly video. And I hope you recognize you're being warned right now. I'm sure most of us are adults, but hey, this is the news. We were alone and it was the strangest thing. There was no like exchange, really. He just had me up against the wall. Reed went on to say that she was wearing a business skirt with no stockings because it was hot at the time. While up against the wall, uh, Reed says Biden's hands were on me and underneath my clothes. She then goes on to describe what he did with his hands. And I'm not going to get into the graphic detail, but it is on the screen. He used them under her clothes downstairs, if you get the point. I am trying to keep this at least to a certain degree. You know, I don't want to call it family friendly by any capacity, but toned down to say the least. Reed said Biden was kissing her and saying multiple things to her. She remembered a couple of the comments. I remember him saying first, like, as he was doing it, do you want to go somewhere else? And then him saying to me, and I pulled away, he got finished doing what he was doing and kind of just pulled back and said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. And that phrase stayed with me because I kept thinking what I might have said. And I can't remember exactly if he said, I thought, oh, I'm sorry. He said that. So, uh, he said, come on, man, I heard you liked me. She said, I kept thinking what might have said, uh, what, what I might have said. And I can't remember exactly if he said thought or I heard, but he implied that I had done this. So to clarify, I read that wrong. She said, that she pulled back and Biden said to her, come on, man, I heard you liked me. Reed then went on to say that everything shattered in that moment because she knew that there were no witnesses and she looked up to him. He was like my father's age. He was like this champion of women's rights in the eyes and I couldn't believe it was happening. It seemed surreal. Reed then said Biden grabbed her by the shoulders and said, you're okay, you're fine and proceeded to walk away. Reed said that Biden also, also told her something after the alleged assault that she initially didn't want to share because, quote, it's the it's it's the thing that stays in my head over and over. But after some pressing from helper, Reed decided to share. He took his finger. He just like pointed at me and said, you're nothing to me. Halper said she spoke with Reed's brother and close friend, and both of them recall Reed telling them about the alleged assault at the time. When allegations of Biden's inappropriate behavior started surfacing last year, Biden released a statement saying, in my many years on the campaign trail and in public life, I've offered countless handshakes, hugs, expressions of affection, support and comfort. And not once never did I believe I acted inappropriately. If it is suggested I did so, I will listen. I will listen respectfully. But it was never my intention. And yet, even after this, Biden kept doing it for real, man. And people are wondering why he can't stop because he's a creep. After Reid told her story of Biden's inappropriate touching last year, she says she received a wave of attention, including the accusation that she was doing the bidding of Russian President Vladimir Putin. According to The Intercept, this caused Reid to go quiet. And there it is. I blame Rachel Maddow. Uh, she loves to go on and screech as loud as possible, Russia. These people are nuts. They are in a conspiracy twisted reality, and they believe tons of fake news. I'll tell you what, man, I get people messaging me about like QAnon stuff all the time. And the media loves to criticize all those people. Yet you have in the mainstream press years of them doing the exact same thing. We saw an email from Trump and it said this, that proves it. The date was wrong. Oops, retraction. 
The Intercept's been great on this, to be honest. That's why I'm not surprised they're the ones who have actually worked on it with the story. The Intercept put together 30 plus stories, a time, uh, 30 plus times. The media has been wrong and retracted everything. It was a top 20 list with 10 honorable mentions. Can you believe it? Yes, you can. Will we see the same level of scrutiny for Joe Biden? I think the answer when it comes to like MSNBC and the mainstream press is a resounding no. It's possible. It really is. Because we are seeing a big push from progressives and they are gaining more and more power. The Intercept is more of a progressive Bernie Sanders type faction, but they totally reject the Russiagate lies. So don't be surprised when the Bernie, you know, the Bernie supporters come out full speed ahead to strike down Joe Biden. Let's read a little bit more and and I'll comment on this. They say, however, as Biden's presidential run persisted, Reid began to reconsider staying quiet to obtain legal assistance and to manage what she guessed would be a serious backlash for her accusations. Reid reached out to the Time's Up organization in January 2020. Time's Up was created in the wake of the Me Too movement to help survivors tell their stories. Ultimately, the group couldn't assist her because the person she was accusing, boom, and there it is. Biden was a candidate for federal office. Providing legal and PR support for Reid could reportedly threaten the nonprofit status of Time's Up, which is housed within the National Women's Law Center. I don't buy it. It's an excuse because Biden is running against the orange man. And many of you may have seen the glorious story from the Atlantic, Joe Biden, stay alive, where they say the only thing we need from Biden is not his ideas. It's just his corporeal form. That's all they really want for him. They're not going to they're not going to go against him. They say as a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization, the National Women's Law Center is restricted in how it can spend its funds, including restrictions that pertain to candidates running for office, explained uh, the National Women's Law Center spokesperson. Maria Patrick, to The Intercept. Our decision on whether or not to provide certain types of support to an individual should not be interpreted as our validation or doubt of the truthfulness of the person's statements. Regardless, our support of workers who come forward regarding workplace sexual harassment remains unwavering. Reed's sexual assault accusation caused the hashtag I believe Tara to trend on Twitter Wednesday. In a statement to The Intercept, Reed made it clear she was deeply afflicted about coming forward about her accusations, considering Biden could run against Donald Trump. A man Reed said she deeply opposes. I don't want to help Trump, but what can I do? All I can do is stand on my truth. And you know what? I believe her for those for these two reasons, these two big reasons. For one, she doesn't like Trump. She would actually prefer to see Trump lose and coming out hurts Joe Biden. But more importantly, we all know this about Joe Biden, right? We've all seen the photos. We've all seen the jokes. And there have been progressives, people on the left and the right calling this guy out. But you know what? I think principles are very, very important. So while I will absolutely throw some shade towards the National Women's Law Center, you know, Time's Up organization said we can't provide the support. I don't buy it. Is, 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 they say Time's Up, which is housed within the National Women's Law Center. You mean to tell me that if somebody decides to run for office, you can no longer call them out for harassment. I'm tired of these games, man. They say Joe Biden can't be investigated for Ukraine gate because he's now running for office. Okay, great. So all you got to do is announce you're running for office and then no one will ever come after you for anything you've ever done wrong. Joe Biden is a muttering, mumbling moron. He is out of step. He abuses women. We've known this. We all know this. I don't think there's any excuse for this, but I will give, I will stand on my principles. A 30-year-old accusation to me just doesn't go that far. Now, look, I believe her. I really do. Absolutely. Why? Because Biden's a creep. But can we play this game 
where whenever someone runs for office or is about to be appointed, a 30 year old acquaintance steps up and says, by the way, they committed a wrong towards me. No. While many people on the left, when it came to Kavanaugh or Trump or whoever, said, we're not talking about crimes. We're talking about whether or not we should accept them as a politician or something like that. I say no. I say that when it comes to innocence or guilt, I hold the same standards to a certain within reason that we would have for anyone in the legal system. You are innocent until you are proven guilty, which makes it very, very difficult for people to call this out. The 90s were a different time. We've become much more progressive, a bit authoritarian, overly progressive in recent times, I should say. But I firmly think that if someone does something like this to you, Biden or otherwise, male or female, female, you got to speak up. That's, 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 that's what I would do. I've known many people who have been assaulted at work. Uh, I, I, many, but a handful. I know males and females. And I've heard from many of them saying that, you know, I don't want to lose my job. Nah, that's not me. I get it. You know, these people are victims and they're scared because it's going to be real, cause real harm to them. She's saying she, she, her, her career was, it, it, it hurt her career that she didn't want to serve drinks to people because Biden liked her legs. Yeah, I believe that too. Are we going to hold this against Biden? You know, I got to be honest, people will no matter what. And I got to say, I do believe it. There's an actual accuser. She actually worked with him. She had called him out before. And you can see how the Democratic resistance handles someone going after their candidate. You mean to tell me that you don't believe Joe Biden does this after all of these photos and videos of Biden doing this? Look at look how many there, there are. This is ridiculous. Even John Stewart, in 2015, the audacity of grope on John Stewart, 2014, poor off Joe Biden attempt to appeal to, you know, he's made fun of this all, all the time. We know it. And now what does she get when she actually calls him out? She gets called a Russian doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin. That's the best they have to offer. Look, man, we're in trying times right now. Things are, are, are getting pretty crazy. I don't know what to expect with the economic downturn, with the coronavirus pandemic, but it does seem like these accusations of Russia, the accusations against uh, against Joe Biden, our government is in disarray. And it's mostly the Democrats. They argue with, with themselves. They can't even agree on this bill that's supposed to go through. You've got the progressive caucus. You know, AOC is saying she might delay the bill because she wants everyone to vote in person. I don't know. There's no unity, though. And this chaos is really bad for us, especially right now. There are many reasons Joe Biden cannot be president. And this is one of them. This is Joe Biden being credibly accused, and there's video footage of him doing this over and over and over again. Now, I do think there is legitimate criticism for Trump for similar things, period. Joe Biden is so, so bad. There's no excuse for this. If you want to call out Trump, you have to call out Biden and then some. So look, my respect to those who have. But can we also talk about the fact that Joe Biden doesn't even know where he is? He's muttering and mumbling and incoherent. This man cannot be president. He's a lot older than Trump, and he is, he is past his prime. He is sun, what he's sundowning, they call it, where he just, his cognitive function becomes poor. He's nowhere to be found amidst this coronavirus pandemic. He's in his house with a weird fake backdrop of some sort, saying things that make no sense. I am sick and tired of people in the media and the resistance trying to cover for this man. Time's up, won't say anything. Oh, it's politics, we can't do it. BS. And if you dare call him out, you're, a, you're, a, you're we're doing the bidding of Putin. I'm over it. Well, we'll see what happens. I have no idea. But as far as I can tell, Trump's already won. There's no, the Democratic primary is in shambles. We are facing much more serious problems than Joe Biden at this point. 
But I think it's important to talk about. I believe, uh, I believe Tara, Tara. I do. I do. Joe Biden's a creepy dude. I'll see you all at the next segment at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. It's a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. Over on my main channel, I just had a big segment about how the media is coming after Trump. They're lying about him, mis- mischaracterizing things he said and propping up Andrew Cuomo. But you know, it's not just the media. It's also social media. Right now, we have this story. Trump campaign fumes after Twitter declines to tag new Democratic attack ads. Why? Yes. You see, Trump conservatives and many, many people on the right, Trump supporters, were sharing a video of Joe Biden where he said we can only elect Donald Trump. What he was actually saying is we can only elect Trump if we engage, if in fact we engage in a circular firing squad. Twitter labeled these tweets as manipulated. Now the DNC has put out basically the same thing. Joe Biden has as well. And will Twitter step in and actually label it? Nope. The media is 100% against the president and everybody knows it. So let's just read this. And, and, you know, I got to be honest, this story is more of a chore than anything else because we all know it as much as the media tries to claim it's not true. They're lying. The Hill reports President Trump's reelection campaign is venting frustration with Twitter after the social media giant refused to apply its manipulated media warning tags to two new videos released by the Democratic National Committee. It's the second time in a week that Twitter has shut down requests from the Trump campaign to sanction Democratic attack ads that the president's allies say were deceptively edited. Twitter recently slapped a manipulated media tag on a pro-Trump ad leading to allegations from the president's campaign that the company is only enforcing its standards in favor of Democrats. Well, duh. (laughs) It is. Twitter's arbitrary rules only seem to apply to the Trump campaign, said spokesman Andrew Clark. Once again, They've failed to provide any sort of clarity about why they are censoring video of Joe Biden's obvious issues while giving a pass to deceptively edited videos spread by his by his campaign and allies. The DNC's manipulated videos have been fact checked as false. So it's difficult to read Twitter's refusal to label these videos as anything else than an effort to protect Joe Biden. Yes, they were labeled false. Joe Biden started his his campaign by lying about Donald Trump, the great hoax, the fine people hoax. It's not true. Yet here we are. It's how the media plays. According to emails uh, viewed by The Hill, a Trump campaign staffer on Saturday flagged two DNC videos for Twitter and requested the company review the ads under its new manipulated media policy. The first tweet from the DNC states, Yesterday, Trump said he didn't disband the government's pandemic response team. He lied. Here is here is his earlier this year defending. Here he is earlier this year defending doing just that. The video shows Trump talking about the people we cut because I don't like having thousands of people around and you don't need them. However, factcheck.org deemed the ad misleading. Trump's remarks were in response to a question about the White House proposed uh, proposed budget cuts to the CDC the National Institute of Health and the World Health Organization, which have not been enacted by Congress. Trump was not responding to a question about his administration's restructuring of the National Security Council's Office of Global Health Security and Biodefense, as the DNC video implies. Fact checked. And a second video of the Trump campaign flag features a DNC tweet of the president's fire exchange with NBC reporter Peter Alexander. The video does not include Alexander's question that provoked the exchange in which he asked, 
Is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? A Twitter employee responded to the Trump campaign's request by saying, our site integrity team has reviewed both pieces of media against the synthetic and manipulated media policy and determined both do not qualify for a label at this time. The Trump campaign is particularly angered by the DNC tweet featuring Alexander saying that one of their own videos was tagged as manipulated for not including the full exchange. Twitter earlier this month sanctioned a Trump campaign video for showing a clip of Biden saying we can only reelect Donald Trump. In a full clip of the moment, Biden says we could only reelect Donald Trump if, in fact, we engaged in this circular firing squad here. It's got to be a positive campaign. Twitter slapped the manipulated media tag on the Trump campaign video after determining it did not include Biden's full remarks and therefore had had been taken out of context. Earlier this week, the Trump campaign flagged new content on Twitter that it said had been deceptively edited to make it seem like the president had called the coronavirus a hoax. That's true. It was manipulated. It was it was manipulated media. The president never said that the coronavirus was a hoax. He said the Democrats politicizing of it was. The Democrats run a campaign where they cut Trump. It's like they just took one word and one word and put them together. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. The video, which has been viewed and shared millions of times on Twitter, features Trump saying the coronavirus, comma, this is their new hoax. The Washington Post fact checkers gave four Pinocchios to a previous advertisement from former Vice President Joe Biden's campaign using the same audio. Other fact checkers, including Snopes, PolitiFact, and FactCheck.org, came to the same conclusion. Twitter won't actually flag the DNC videos, even though all of these fact checking outlets are saying it's fake news. So what's the point of having this fact checking consortium if Twitter is just going to be like, eh, orange man bad? The fact checkers determined that Trump was talking about Democratic efforts to politicize the virus rather than the virus itself. Trump's full quote was coronavirus. They're politicizing it. We did one of the great jobs. You say, how's President Trump doing? Oh, nothing, nothing. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. And this is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. Twitter declined to sanction the Democratic video under its manipulated media policy. A Trump campaign source said they would continue to flag media for Twitter until they decide to start applying their standards equally. Twitter has not responded to a request for comment. Well, maybe Trump and the Republicans, I know we, there's, there's a more important job going on, I guess. But when are these people going to take up real efforts to protect speech and, and integrity on these social platforms? I get it, man. Twitter is a private platform. But how infuriating is it to see the overt deception, the snooty elitist abuse of power? These people are scum. If you want to label Trump's video on, on the Biden thing misleading, do it with my blessing. Then you got to go and do Biden too. That's how it's supposed to work. But they, they, that's how the game is always played. Rules for, for thee, but not for me. Check it out. MSNBC's Chris Hayes refuses to air Trump comments, calling him a genuine threat to public health. health. Slime bags. I don't normally use insults. I've been doing it a little bit more lately. I'll try to slow down. How are you going to decide you can't air the president's own words when he's in full context? But then you're going to take him out of context for political brownie points. These people have no principles. And I say it all the time. And that's why I said this video feels like a chore. We get it already. This feels like being bashed over the head repeatedly with a club. We get it. Unfortunately, many people don't. The media is a rigged game. Chris Hayes declared President Trump a genuine threat to public health Tuesday night 
and refused to air his comments from earlier in the day concerning the coronavirus pandemic. The reason I bring this up, it's kind of an addendum to the main channel video I did earlier, where they actually said, maybe what we'll do is we'll, we won't air it live. We'll, it, we'll air it later and we'll, we'll snip stuff. They're not even going to air it later. They don't want you to know what the president has to say. They realize that Trump doing these press briefings and actually having a chance to speak has been bad. So what do they do? When Trump and his people go on social media and make posts, they flag it. That way people say, oh, look, it's fake news. And the media runs with it. And then when Trump actually says stuff at press briefings, they say, oh, no, 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 don't air it. Don't air that. So if Trump can't get any positive coverage and they own and, 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 every, and when he tries and actually speaks for himself on social media, they flag it as fake news. What do you expect, man? It's a rigged game. They say Hayes opened his show by pointing out how other countries have instituted sweeping lockdowns for as long as 60 days, whereas Mr. Trump said, Fo- said uh, Mr. Trump told Fox News that he hopes to get the U.S. back up and running by Easter. Easter is uh, two and a half weeks away, Mr. Hayes scoffed, <laughs> as if you're a health expert and you know, you're not an economist or a health expert. This is what frustrates me about these people. My typical stance is, I don't know. We got to figure it out. Trust the experts. Yeah. And then as soon as they decide they want to win or, or get ratings, all of a sudden they're the experts. We get it, man. Everyone's an epidemiologist and everyone's an economist. I'm not. We are seeing real economic damage. Okay. We're seeing a loss of life. That's true. Which problem is more pressing? Which could be worse? I honestly have no idea. And the epidemiologists aren't economists and the economists aren't epidemiologists. So we don't really know, but both could get really, really bad. One's really bad now. One could get worse. No idea. So I defer to the experts. Trump being a a trade guy wants to kick things back into high gear as as quickly as he can. And the doctors don't want to do it. Sounds like you had a real argument. But guess what? When economies tank, people die. Here we go. And when the president was pushed on that Easter goal, he made up a preposterous claim that doctors wanted to keep everyone locked down for two years. And no way he's having that. Although literally no one is suggesting we stay locked down for two years. You liars. Liars. Harvard researchers believe social distancing may need to be turned on and off through 2022 to combat the coronavirus. These people are liars. They are lying to you every single day. They don't want you to know what Trump is saying. And if he says anything on social media, they're going to flag it and call him a liar. It's disgusting. Chris Hayes is either a moron or he's a liar. No one is saying that. How hard was it for me to Google that? You know how hard it was? It wasn't at all. I went doot, 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 boom, found the story. Harvard wants us locked down for two years. But you know what? That's, an, that's another issue. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jump into this one. I'm going to do another segment coming up in a few minutes talking about the real ramifications of what's happening. And yeah, a two-year lockdown is on the table. So we need to talk about what's really going on. But the reason I bring it up now is to prove to you that Chris Hayes is a liar. Okay, or he's a moron. I don't want to imply it's intentional. I said the same thing about Trump. They call Trump a liar all day and night. Yeah, maybe Trump is just dumb. Maybe he's just wrong. All right, I'll be fair. Chris Hayes is wrong. He's giving you misinformation. So by their own standards, this is a threat to the public health. I shouldn't be showing you what Chris Hayes is saying. I'm just so sick of the lies, man. It is really breaking down these days. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Let's talk about the two-year lockdown because, yeah, Trump was right. They're talking about it. I'll see you in a few minutes. Desperate times, desperate measures, and all that. Harvard researchers believe we we may need to be socially distancing for another two years. Now, I want to talk to you about the severity of the coronavirus, but I want to point out, because this is kind of a segue off the last segment I did, Chris Hayes on MSNBC said, Trump 
said that they were talking about tears. Literally no one is saying that. Morons. He couldn't do a simple Google search. This is legit. We're in serious trouble, man. Those, those unemployment numbers, they're going to get way worse. Harvard researchers believe social distancing may need to be turned on and off through 2022 to combat the coronavirus and avoid, and avoid overwhelming the U.S. healthcare system. Right now in New York City, they are setting up these. Do I have this one? Yeah. Emergency morgues. Let's see if we have photos. Emergency morgues. There are a lot of people on Twitter that are claiming it's not happening because there's no photos and no videos. And I got I got I got to tell you, I find it absolutely mind numbing. I don't know anybody who died of the flu. I don't know anybody who has the flu or pneumonia for that matter. In fact, none of my friends are even sick. I, you know, maybe one, I, one, one buddy was sick a little while ago. Nobody died. Do I then think no one's dying? No, of course not. People are dying. You can look at these videos. Some, some, some woman was filming in a hospital. It's happening, man. Look what they're setting up in New York, tents and emergency centers. We get it. So let's see what's going on. They say Harvard researchers believe Americans may need to be at home much longer in order to flatten the curve, they say, of the coronavirus spread and avoid overwhelming the U.S. healthcare system. A new Harvard study, which was posted Tuesday on the preprint server MedRxiv, claims that social distancing may, may have to be turned on and off like a spigot for up to two years. In the study titled Social Distancing Strategies for Curbing the COVID-19 Epidemic, Harvard medical researchers write that a single period of social distancing will not be sufficient. Here we can see two graphs. There are two possible futures for social dis- distancing. The first scenario depicted, depicted would see the U.S. get to a point where there is low healthcare resources, which means intermittent social distancing would need to be extended into 2022. In the second scenario pictured, if there are, a, if there are higher healthcare resources, distancing can end in the middle of 2021. Instead, Researchers believe the U.S. Need to, need to try intermittent distancing. We get it. You said it 500 times, Daily Mail. The first scenario, we, we, we get it. Okay. Have they made their point? The researchers wrote that they evaluated the impact of one-time distancing efforts of varying effectiveness and duration on the peak and timing of the epidemic with and without seasonal forcing. When transmission is not subject to seasonal forcing, one-time social distancing measures reduce the epidemic peak size. But under all scenarios, there was a resurgence of, of infection when the simulated social distancing measures were lifted. To break it down even further, the authors believe that there should be no more than 37.5 cases per 100,000 people. The study shows that should be the on switch to begin social distancing all over again. Recently, Trump said that they're talking about locking things down for two years. And the morons over on MSNBC said no one is suggesting that. Not only has it been suggested now by Harvard researchers, but MIT's technology review said the same thing. I cannot stand the media, man. Look, I don't want to get into a rant about the media. I want to talk to you about how serious this is. We may have to lock down for two years. You know why? Because there are a bunch of bad people who make it worse for the rest of us. Welcome to humanity. Grocery store throws out $35,000 worth of food that woman coughed on in twisted prank. The store's co-owner said he was sick to my stomach about the food loss. When so many people are worried about the security of our food supply, it is even more disturbing. We're going to have to lock down because of this. We've already seen people being charged with making terroristic threats for coughing near people. They're saying they're going to prosecute this woman. All right. All right. Maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't know about terror charges, but once we lift the, the social distancing or the lockdown, Trump wants to do it very soon. And he's got a good point. The economy, if it suffers, people die. 
Well, then we're going to see more people start getting sick again. And people will actively try to spread the virus. What do we do? Perhaps at that point, they do need to be charged because we are in serious, serious trouble here. Right now, the New York, uh, New York City, their morgues are expected to hit their 900 body capacity in seven days as it asks FEMA for emergency assistance. And the military set up refrigerated trucks outside Manhattan's Bellevue Hospital as city death toll nears 200. New York recorded 100 deaths in 24 hours. Congratulations. There you go. It's what everyone wanted. It's now worse than the flu. Are you happy? According to the CDC, from October to February, there was about four deaths per hour. Okay, now we're just above that. There you go. The coronavirus has grown to be worse than the flu by, by a standard metric. Are we done? Can we talk about how serious it's going to get? Yeah, because there, you know what, man? The exponential growth is going to be horrifying. In Italy, they brought in the military to get big trucks and cart away the corpses. And we are getting to that point in New York. Now, I am going to throw shade at New York. For those of you that didn't see the main segment I did over at youtube.com slash Timcast, go check it out. You'll like it. It's their own fault. Bill de Blasio, other New York officials telling everybody, no, no, go out, go celebrate, live life as normal. The coronavirus scare ain't going to get me down. Celebrating Lunar New Year. And now some of those people are dead and it's their fault to a certain degree. They were encouraging people to go out. I wonder how many people were sitting around bored saying, I don't want to go out tonight. And then they saw that tweet from de Blasio saying, don't be scared. It's fine. And they went, yeah, it's probably okay. Another person is dead. As the leader, they're the ones who, they're, they're the captain of the ship. They're supposed to be the ones protecting everybody. And they ignored this and the media ignores them. Well, now we can see the, 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 the true danger that's really happening. So I, I, I just bring this up because we're hearing from hospitals. They may institute a universal do not resuscitate order, no matter what the wishes of the patient or the family is. That means if you start going into cardiac arrest or you're not breathing, they're going to walk away and they're going to close the door and say, I'm sorry, we're not going to do anything for you. And that's why the two-year thing is serious. Trump may be wrong. But here's, here's the issue that I've brought up several times, and you, you may have heard me say it before, but for those that haven't heard it, if the economy collapses, people die. If people get sick, they, they can die, right? So in both circumstances, you have people dying. I don't know which one could be worse, but taking hundreds of millions of people out of the workforce for, you know, it could, it could be just as bad or worse than the actual disease. We have no good options here. The Daily Mail says, Officials fear the city may be running out of space to store the dead as fatalities from the coronavirus continue to soar. A makeshift morgue is already being set up outside of Manhattan's Bellevue Hospital. As officials warn that there is only enough room for 900 bodies to be stored across the five boroughs of America's largest city. During a briefing on Wednesday, officials at the Department of Homeland Security were told that New York's morgues are reaching capacity. The department official said, they were told the morgues in New York City are expected to reach capacity by the next week. Another source told the outlet that some of the city's hospital morgues hit capacity over the past seven days. So they're already there. We can see this. The National Guard's coming in. Hey, man, my shout out to the National Guard, to uh, you know, Army personnel, you guys uh, help, helping this country right now at a time of need. That's what it's all about. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, the, you know, the armed forces. They're the ones who allow us to live comfortable and free. And the reality is it's true, man. You don't see me on the front lines setting up makeshift morgues. That's the National Guard, man. So my props and respect to them. New York City has become the epicenter of the pandemic in the U.S. with more than 21,300 cases and 280 deaths. More than 2,800 people in the city are hospitalized because of the virus. Double the figure from three days earlier. 
and more than 600 people are being treated in intensive care. The Big Apple accounts for more than half of the cases in the country's hardest hit state, more than half of the cases in the country's hardest hit state, where there are now 37,000 coronavirus cases and close to 400 deaths. So that's just New York State. Wow. There are currently about 53,000 beds and 3,000 intensive care unit beds available in New York hospitals, according to Governor Andrew Cuomo, who warned the state could need 140,000 beds and 40,000 ICU beds, more than 10 times the amount of beds they need, about 12 or 13. New York state currently has a 12% hospitalization rate. So this is good news. It's going down. I think as more testing is done, we're seeing many people caught this. They were fine. And the hospital hospitalization rates are low. Without the testing, you're going to get an influx of patients and you, you know they're going to have it. And so it'll look higher than it really is. Armed military personnel, NYPD and NYC medical examiner's office employees were seen setting up huge dome-like white tents. Multiple refrigeration trucks were also lined up at the site in Midtown along 30th Street and the, and the FDR Drive Parkway. Yikes, man. Look at this. These photos are, 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 they're not as bad as they could get, but I'm glad these people, you know, are doing what they can. This is what it's all about, man. I appreciate the people coming together to try and help, th- help, help make everything better. Cuomo and other state officials are desperately seeking additional medical equipment. They've also called for more doctors and nurses to join the fight against the virus, prompting New York University to offer to let its medical students graduate early so they can enlist. Wow. All 19 million residents of New York State were placed under a stay-at-home order on March 20th after Cuomo temporarily banned all non-essential gatherings to curb the spread of the virus. They then go on to talk about the growth in the U.S., the, the, the global toll. We know it's getting worse. I don't know where the peak will be. We're hearing some uh, mixed messaging. Some people are saying it's going to get better. Some people are saying it's going to get worse. I honestly don't know, man. But I'll tell you this. To bring it back to the main point, if Harvard is saying we've done the math and it's going to be two years of this, we're in serious, serious trouble. 3.3 million unemployment claims. We can expect more. As I've been saying over and over again, April 1st is a coming. That rent is due and it ain't coming. People aren't going to pay it. Our economy is in, is in trouble. It's collapsing and it will soon be in shambles. And I don't know what's going to be worse. You, you better you better listen to the president, man. You can criticize him. You can hate the guy. But if you think that these doctors understand the economy, you are wrong. Trump doesn't understand the healthcare professionals that I get it. And he can take their advice. But the doctors don't understand the economy, nor do the media pundits. This could be two years of lockdown. And if it is, there's nothing there's, there's nothing to protect anymore. If the economy is wiped out, people flee the cities and everyone's gone then what are we protecting? That's the challenge we face. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. You know, we talk too much about the uh, horrible consequences of the global crisis, and it's about time we got some celebrity gossip. Now, this story is actually really interesting. Jeremy Renner, Marvel's Avenger, star of Marvel's Endgame, you know, all that great stuff. His, his ex-wife is demanding $30,000 a month. Or I, I, should, I should put it this way. He's trying to reduce from $30,000 a month to $11,000 a month in child support. And the first thing I asked was, why do you need $30,000 per month to raise a kid? Look, man, I get it. Jeremy Renner's rich. Apparently, he earned $20 million for Avengers Endgame. And he can afford to give $30,000 a month, right? But come on, how insane is this? Child support doesn't cost that much. The number should be static. It should, it should have an upper limit. What did this, you know what? Let's read the story because there's a few interesting points to be made. Why does this woman deserve that much money? I don't know. 
Avengers star Jeremy Renner's ex-wife has clapped back after he asked a judge to reduce his child support payments because of coronavirus. In an interview with TheDailyMail.com, Sonny Pacheco slammed her ex for yet another attempt to reduce funds I rely on to provide for our child. Dude, your kid doesn't need $360,000 a year. My math was bad. Sue me. Renner filed papers in court Tuesday asking an LA judge to reduce his child support payments to Pacheco for their seven-year-old daughter, Ava. The Academy Award-nominated actor earned $20 million for Avengers Endgame alone. His net worth is estimated uh, at $50 million after bumper checks from his roles in blockbuster franchises Avengers, Mission Impossible, Captain America, and The Bourne Legacy. But Renner wrote in his legal filing that he was experiencing a drop in income due to Hollywood projects being canceled in the coronavirus shutdown. Asking the judge to slash his monthly child support payments from his, uh, for his daughter from $30,000 to $11,000. I don't know, maybe Jeremy Renner burned all that money really quick. Just because he made that money from Avengers doesn't mean he actually has it. This is an important point. He may have got a $20 million deal. That doesn't mean they handed him a check for $20 million. I honestly don't know how you transfer that much money. <laughs> I have no idea. Like the banks only insure up to 250000 So what do they really give him? The assumption that many people are going to make is that he has that cash. Therefore, he can continue to spend it. I think if his, if his child support payments are at 30K uh, per month, he's making a pretty penny. He's doing, he's doing pretty well. I don't know what percentage they normally take from the dad to pay for the daughter. But, you know, here's the conundrum. Should the rich guy have to pay child support for the child in this exorbitant amount? Or should the wife only get as much as she needs to actually raise the kid? It's actually one of the arguments being presented in the documents. Renner accused Pacheco of using the child support payments as a slush fund for a high end lifestyle and expensive court battle against him. He's giving her all this money and she's using it to hire a lawyer to go after him. See, that's a conundrum. She can't, you know, what's the point? Pacheco hit back at her ex's lies and said she was only trying to protect her daughter after seven years of hell in a relationship with Renner. I'm sorry, man. It may be that the dude is rich, but I do not see why you think you deserve 30 grand per month. That is insane. It is very disheartening that in a time of global crisis, nah, you're losing me. There is yet another attempt to reduce funds I rely on to provide for our child, the model and actress said, adding that Renner had greatly exaggerated the amount of income he said, uh, uh, the, amount, the amount of income he paid Pacheco. I think it's time after seven years of hell, I start addressing the lies myself. First, I do not receive $30,000 in monthly child support. Second, all of my savings and Ava's savings have been drained due to lawyer fees, as my concerns for Ava's safety have been an ongoing battle for years now. I have and always will choose to protect Ava when I find out about disturbing behavior exhibited by her father at his homes that put her in danger. Last but not least, I am choosing love and, and, and to continue to wish him the best and a healthy, safe life. During the bitter custody battle over the former couple's daughter, Renner's ex, Ava's former nanny, and his friends have accused him of regularly taking drugs while he was meant to be looking after his daughter, firing a gun in the house and threatening to end him, take his own life while she slept. After having a revolving door of young women visiting and partying at the six-year-old's part-time home. I gotta be honest. Sounds plausible. You know, we got, we got a court battle. I don't know who's telling the truth. We just went through that whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. So man, I don't want to jump the gun and accuse anybody. Now here's the thing though. She's saying she doesn't receive $30,000, but the Daily Mail is saying she does. There's, there, that's, that, that's it. And if he's reducing it to 11000 what is she really complaining about? That's still a lot of money. Like 
for not for for nothing. I mean, not for nothing. She's raising the kid, but you, it's eleven thousand dollars a month, man. Using texts and doctor's notes as evidence, Pacheco claimed Renner even bit their daughter and said she had been referred to the Department of. Uh, he had been and, and said he had been referred to the Department of Child and Family Services. Renner has denied the allegations and has claimed that Pacheco persuaded his ex-girlfriend to lie about shooting his gun in his home. Affidavits from friends and former employee and a former employee say Renner left cocaine lying around the house in the way of his young daughter and got drunk in his jacuzzi, then had a... (laughs) This is amazing. This is just making Jeremy Renner sound like like a badass. I'm sorry. Okay. Affidavits from friends and a former employee say Renner left cocaine lying around his house uh, the house in the way of his young daughter, got drunk in a jacuzzi, then had a threesome while his daughter wandered around the house at a party. That, 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 no, that's, that's horrifying. I mean, like this, the stories about Jeremy Renner partying and like doing drugs and firing a gun. I'm like, wow. Yeah. People want to party with that guy. That's not, I, I, I wouldn't, that's very irresponsible. Now look, let's be real. If he's doing this stuff around his daughter, nah, not cool, man. Not cool at all. But I'm sorry, dude. Uh, Miss Pacheco, I do not trust you, nor do I really trust him. This is the big challenge we get with all custody battles. You're trying to win custody of your daughter. You're trying to win money from his pocket. I don't think you deserve his money. I think he should pay you child support. I think every dad should. If they separate, that's what you got to do. But if he wins custody and he's a good dad, I know you're saying he's not, but of course you're in a legal battle. So that's a biased opinion. Why should he give you any money? I mean, and, and, and how much alimony does she get? That's the other crazy thing. Does she get both? Two ex-girlfriends submitted copies of text messages and wrote affidavits claiming Renner constantly sent them dick pics and nude photos using a Snapchat account named after his daughter's initials and birth date, and even dressed one of them in a, in a gown embroidered with his six-year-old's name. All right, this dude sounds kind of weird if this is true. I mean, these are, these are what is this? These are, are these sworn affidavits? That's a question. Pacheco has written in previous court filings that she is terrified for her daughter's safety while she spends time with her father. Renner met Pacheco in Vancouver on the set of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. They welcomed Ava in March of 2013 and tied the knot 10 months later in January of 2014. Pacheco filed for divorce in December of 2014. Wait, what? So they were not even married for a year. Man, I'll tell you what. I don't. Marriage doesn't seem to work out. And maybe these are just horror stories, but for, let, let me let me let me let me let me start first by breaking down this whole fight. Like I don't know Jeremy, I don't know this woman, I don't know who's telling the truth. It's a custody battle. This is life. Now, look, courts tend to favor the women on this one, which is why you end up with a ton of men's rights activists pointing it out. And of course, feminists don't care. It's about inequality. They talk about equality. That's not the case. But let me tell you something, man. We we have a serious problem in this country with how our system is set up in terms of child support and alimony. Back in the day when these laws were made, women didn't work. So if you end up getting a divorce, what was she supposed to do? Yeah, you owe her some money. That, that I understand. It makes sense. And if she gets custody of the kids, it's, it's not even about her. It's about whoever gets custody of the kids. They got to pay child support. There was some funny thing about like Katy Perry and uh, who's, who's that guy? I can't remember his name. He's the, the British guy who's like a really lanky dude. I don't know, whatever. Katy Perry divorced some guy and she apparently owed him a ton of money. He, he didn't take it. I can think of his face. I can't. You guys probably already remember who I'm talking about. He's got a YouTube channel or something. Anyway, the point is, these laws were put in place back in a time when dudes went and worked and women raised kids. So now when you get a divorce, the guy pays the woman because it's assumed the woman isn't going to be working. If women today 
are increasingly getting better and better jobs, then why should they get anything? And more importantly, when it comes to the amount of money, shouldn't there be an upper limit? I don't know, man. I'll tell you this. I grew up watching a ton of shows that made marriage seem miserable and something you didn't want to do. But it's not even about me growing up. Remember those people that that, that guy used to talk about beating his wife on that sitcom? Was it The Honeymooners? Where he would be like, bang, zoom, straight to the moon. I love how Family Guy put it. He goes to the moon. And I don't know if you've seen the, uh, I'm sorry, not Family Guy, Futurama. They're, uh, uh, They're going through a tour on the moon. It's like the first episode. And they see at the set of The Honeymooners and he goes, one of these days, bang, zoom straight to the moon, as if he's talking about space exploration. And Fry says he was just using space exploration as a metaphor for beating his wife. It's one of the funniest things Fry's ever said in the show. But the, the, the reason I bring it up is there's been a consistent narrative that marriage is a really, really bad thing. And when you see stories like this, what, what is anyone supposed to conclude? Now, I think a marriage is, an imperi- uh, is a very important thing, but it's not sensational when the marriage works out. People like dysfunctional shows, so the dysfunctional families end up getting more and more airtime. Although I will say we did see shows in the past like Malcolm in the Middle, where although they had a kind of dysfunctional family, you know, Hal and or whatever the wife's name was, they got along. You know, they, 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 were, they were a weird family, but they all did, uh, they all did love each other. And you can see even on these other shows, Simpsons, Family Guys, they're all American Dad, they're all, they're all dysfunctional, but their marriages still kind of work. This is something else. This is just general bad, negative, you know, whatever. But the main issue I want to get to is when you see stories like this, people are going to be discouraged from getting marriage. And marriage is a particularly important thing. And the other issue is so long as we have archaic laws in the books, it's going to mandate that somebody give his wife 30 grand per month to raise their kid. Meanwhile, some dude who lives in the slums of Chicago is paying 200 bucks. Something doesn't make sense here. I understand if you don't make a lot of money, you know, you make, let's say you work at McDonald's, you make 10 bucks an hour or something, or it's probably 12 by now. And you got to pay like a couple hundred bucks a month for child support. I get it. You don't make that much. And if you make six figures, you got to pay a couple thousand dollars per month that I get. But certainly there's an upper limit. Like, what is she doing? She buying the kid a diamond, you know, diamond neck, gold necklace every, every week or something. It's 30, $360,000 a year while well, she's denying it. Fine. Whatever. I don't know, whatever. You know what? It's not coronavirus news, so I was going to talk about it. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then.